Welcome and thank you for accepting the invitation for this Bible study and reflection for June 15th, 2022. You know, it's hot today. I just looked at my weather app and it said it's 95 degrees out and with the high humidity, the heat index or feel like temperature is 110 degrees. I would invite you to keep those that are not as fortunate as most of us are to have air conditioning, please keep those folks in your prayers. Thank you. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Dear Lord and most gracious God, we thank you for your holy word. Lord, we know that your holy word, when heard or read, is activated by your Holy Spirit. Help us to be bold enough to intentionally spend time in your word on a daily basis. We ask this in Jesus' name, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, the theme of my message today is on boldness. Not baldness, which I know something about as well, but boldness. And what it is and how we become bold. My first reading is from the book of Acts. On this occasion, Peter and John are praying to God after they're released from questioning by the Jewish governing body called the Sanhedrin. Here is the word from the reading from Acts chapter 4 verses 29 through 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, do you have to be large and powerful to be bold? Can you be both humble and bold at the same time, you know, Confidence versus cockiness. You know, a definition I read in preparation for this of the word bold or boldness, and that's a word that's not used that often in the Bible, but it's an important word. The definition is the trait of being willing to undertake activities that involve risk or danger especially that involve being honest and straightforward in attitude and speech. My next reading comes from the book of Mark, and it's a very short story involving Jesus, rich people, and a poor widow. This reading comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. 
Now, did this widow participate in an activity that involves risk or danger? You're darn right she did. Remember the words of Jesus? They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus did not necessarily dislike rich people, but he did dislike the way they handled their money, or to use a churchy word, he was not impressed with their stewardship. What were they risking? Well, certainly they weren't risking their life. Was the widow risking her life? Yes. It's important to note that widows in that culture and society had no financial support system. If she gave away all of her money, she obviously would not be able to buy food to sustain her. At best, she would begin to have health issues, and at worst, she would die of starvation. The rich folks gave to enhance their status and probably made a big deal out of dropping their money into the offering box. Maybe they flashed it around a little bit before they dropped it in so everybody could see how much they had and how much they were giving. And to them, this was very important because they lived in an honor-shame culture of the time. They wanted people to see them dropping their big money into the offering box and would have been looked down on in a shameful way had their actions not been noticed. How are we to be bold in our actions without appearing overconfident or cocky? The author of the book of Hebrews has a good response to that question, I think. I'm going to read the beginning of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. This sets the stage for why we are able to approach the throne of grace with boldness. Here is the reading. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And now Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who is in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Thanks to Jesus, we have an intermediary that is able to sympathize with us in our times of need. It is in him and through him that we are able to approach God with boldness. Now, you've heard me speak of my dad's mom plenty of times before, and I'm going to do so again because I am so very thankful and grateful for her faith-based influence on me and so many others. 
Her bold but humble witness was always rooted in her belief in and love for Jesus. On May 18, 1930, on a Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon, Gamma's husband died. They had only been married for 17 years when he died. My father was only eight years and nine months old when his dad passed away. As if that wasn't enough, my grandmother was beneficiary to a $2,000 life insurance policy written through New York Life. It was a relatively new policy, and it was still in the contestability period when he died. New York Life contested it, and Gamma had to take them to all the way to the South Carolina Supreme Court, where she won and was awarded the death benefit. I can't imagine how difficult that was after she had just lost her husband and was home alone with a not-yet-nine-year-old son. But, without a doubt, I'm certain she did it with bold confidence. You must remember this was 1930, and in 1930, women were not encouraged to show their boldness. They had only been given the right to vote ten years prior. I knew Gamma well enough to know that her boldness was not based on self-reliance, but it was based on her identity as a follower of Jesus. Gamma did approach the throne of grace with boldness, and she did receive mercy, and she found grace to help in her time of need. Do you know what else she did with that grace and mercy she was given? She shared it with everyone, and for that I will be eternally grateful. I can only hope that in some small way I can help perpetuate her love of Jesus by being a bold witness to the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. You might be thinking, wow, that's a great story, and I'm glad others are sharing the good news of Jesus because I like hearing it, but I just don't think I want to share it with the same enthusiasm as others do. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm too young to understand God's Word, or maybe you're thinking I'm too old to get started on trying to understand God's Word, or maybe you just think you don't have the time. Well, let me tell you, I can relate to at least a couple of those excuses because I've lived them and spoke them for a while. A good friend of mine asked me just yesterday why I decided to re-engage with our community of Jesus followers at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. Well, I do remember the Saturday morning I was watching a show on TV. This would have been about 10 years ago. And the hosts were interviewing a gentleman named Dr. Kevin Lehman, who had just written a book titled The Way of the Wise. It was a very condensed story of his faith journey and what, what led him to Jesus. For some reason, it had a profound impact on me. Was that the only factor? Uh, probably not. Really? Of course not. Unbeknownst to me, I had many people praying for my return or re-engagement with my faith community at St. Paul's. I truly believe it was those many prayers and seeds of faith planted many years ago by Jesus-loving people just like Gamma that ultimately brought me back, so to speak. 
You might ask what equipped me or prepared me to be bold enough to share the good news of Jesus. You know, it really boils down to one thing, reading a story, rereading the story, rereading it again, and ultimately reading pieces of that story every single day. The story? Well, it's written in the Holy Bible, also known as the Word of God. It's a story of creation. It's a story of mankind and God living together in the Garden of Eden. It's a story about sin entering the world through humans. And the rest of the story tells of God's never-ending love and his desire to make things right again. Is there anything we can do to restore that broken relationship with God? No. But the good news is Jesus could, and through his death on the cross, did begin repairing that broken relationship. The Bible has a wonderful story to tell. It is a wonderful story. And it is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Is it the most approachable reading? No. Is it very easy to understand and interpret? No. At St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Columbia, South Carolina, we offer many opportunities to understand and interpret the Word of God. We take our vision statement very seriously. It's a very simple statement, but very powerful. Learning, loving, living God's Word. If you're not currently actively involved in a church family, I would invite you to join us on Sunday morning. We are a welcoming community. We have two services. One begins at 8.15 a.m. and lasts about 45 minutes, and one begins at 10.30 a.m. and lasts about an hour. During the summer months, we have a Bible study from 9.15 a.m. to 10 a.m. And the rest of the year, we have a Wednesday evening Bible study and other programs. At St. Paul's, we corporately and individually endorse and rely on an online resource called Bible Project. Now, I know you've heard me speak of it before, but it's worth mentioning again and again. And I want to share a few comments about it, what, it, what it has meant to others. Here's what one young person said. I'm a teenager, and usually this stuff doesn't make a lot of sense. This time I actually learned a lot. And this next comment comes from a middle-aged person. I am 55, and now with the attention and time I haven't had before, I'm reading the Bible again like I have never read it before. And finally, a comment from a woman named Frances. So excited, I tried out Bible Project on my tablet and was immediately inspired by Tim and John's talk about your app and classroom. I found classroom and completed a class right away. 2022 looks to be a very full year with going through the Torah. I'm already exploring Movement 3 of Genesis in the app. I am so looking forward to these studies. Best of all, at 80 years old, there's plenty of time to spend immersed in Bible study. Thank you all for putting together such a wonderful material that is such a blessing. Wow. Bottom line is, you're never too young or too old to learn how to read the Bible. 
And of course, there's always that factor called time. I've said it before, and I bet you have as well. I just don't have the time to spend in church on Sunday morning or Wednesday evening or during Bible study, or for that matter, 15 or 20 minutes in the morning or evening, reading my Bible or doing devotions. Yes, I've said that many a time in the past. You know, God gives us all 24 hours a day. It's up to us how we spend it. I think it's important to remember that we did not earn those 24 hours. We were given that time. I know it's not that simple, but if you break it down into thirds, you could say we sleep eight hours, we work eight hours, and well, you get the point. We have eight hours of time left. How much input do we have and how we spend the other eight hours? Hmm. And are we actually doing the spending ourselves, or are others directing and influencing how we spend our time? I invite you to intentionally spend some of your time getting to know Jesus. I promise you the love of Jesus will change your life, and as a result, you will be equipped to boldly share that love with others. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, We thank you for your story of love and redemption, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is that love and redemption. Through the reading and study of your holy word, we ask that you would guide us and lead us to know and share the never-ending good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in peace and boldly serve the Lord.